So I went to Dreamworld a few years ago and I was pretty excited to go there. I hadn't been to like a theme park uh, for, for a few years, actually for a long time. I think the last time I properly went to a theme park before that was when I was like 14 and I went to Australia's Wonderland, which doesn't exist anymore. But I had a great time there when I was 14. Did anyone actually ever make it to Australia's Wonderland? Any of you? Yeah, all the old people. So for those of you who don't, never got to go, it was just like Dreamworld, but in Sydney and less good. And uh, we, uh, we went and I remember the, the last thing we did when I was at Australia's Wonderland, when I was like 14, was like we went to this roller coaster, which was called The Demon. And uh, it, was, it just kind of took you like 50 seconds, but it went like, you know, like three loops and went all over the place. It was great. And because it was, we were the last people there, they, we went on it and they said, do you want to go again? We're like, yeah. And like, do you want to go again? We're like, yeah. And we did it like five times. It was so good. And I remember, you know, at the end of it, kind of walking off going, oh, that was amazing. And then I felt sick the next day. Uh, but otherwise, I was like, that was like the greatest experience of my life. So then when I went back to Dreamworld, I was like, yeah, now I'm older. And so I'm going to be even better at going on the rides. I'm going to go on every ride. I'm going to go on the scariest ride I can find because I'm an old guy now. I'll be totally cool. Like I was a bit scared when I was 14. I definitely can't be scared when I'm like 30. So, so this will be great. And so we went into Dreamworld, me and my friend. We walked in. The first thing I did was buy um, a belt because I forgot one and I didn't want my pants to fall down when like, you know, we went on one of those big drops and then, you know, I'd drop and my pants would stay up there and that wouldn't be so good. So we, uh, I got a belt and then after we came out of the belt shop, which is not a belt shop at Dreamworld, it was just a surf shop and there was a belt there. And after we came out, the first ride that was in front of us was this ride which kind of looked like there was, you know, there was this kind of circular thing that you sat on and, and it kind of just swung. It was like a, a pendulum. It was called the claw. And I saw it there and I was like, oh, how bad can that be? You just sit on this seat and then you get swung around a bit. Like, that'll be a nice, easy one to get started on. And so me and my friend, we went in and we, we sat down and then the, the big thing came down on front. It's like the, the seatbelt locked thing. It locked us in. I was like, this should be all right. And then it started and then you're on this big kind of circle. You're locked in and then it starts spinning and then this pendulum starts swinging. And so you're spinning like 360 degrees and you're swinging and then you swing kind of until you get up to like nine stories in the air and you just and I was like this is the worst I thought this was going to be fun I was like my organs are like still down on the ground and I'm up here this is this is terrible and then everything kind of catches up with you when you're like oh look like my liver has made it and then you drop again you're like oh there it goes and it's like the whole way I'm like this is the worst and what I didn't think about was the fact, I don't know if this is true, maybe Tegan, you can tell me, but when you get older, your kind of inner ear kind of gets more sensitive, is that right? And so you, like, you're more prone to motion sickness? Is that the truth? I've been told that, and I'm going to say it's true, because <laughs> Tegan doesn't know, and what would she know about ears? It's just her job. So when you get older, like you kind of, old people don't cope with like roller coasters and stuff as much as young people. So I was like, this is terrible. I'm going to die. I immediately regretted my choice of going on the claw first. I even went on this, you know, Kung Fu Panda ride and that was too scary for me. So, so life was not as good as I thought it was going to be. Now I tell you this story because what we see with Peter here is that he makes this impulsive decision 
which he thinks is going to be great. And then he immediately starts regretting it, as we saw in the story. And maybe you know what that's like in your life. Uh, We are looking uh, this week, as I said before, we're looking at Peter. uh, We're looking at the dumb things that Peter does, because we see that as Peter does dumb things, it's kind of like us, because we keep doing dumb things. But even while Peter does dumb things, Jesus is faithful. And Jesus uses Peter and achieves great things through Peter. And so even when we make dumb choices that we regret, God can use them and God will be faithful in them. And so if we look at the story, we can, we can see some of the stuff that happens. And uh, hopefully as we work through the story, we'll kind of discover some of the things that are out to learn. Now, the first thing it says in the story, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Which is a bit strange because we don't know exactly what's going on there. Like, immediately after what? And... The other side of what? Well, they're in a boat, so there's probably some water. Uh, They are on a lake, and they've been beside a lake, and Jesus just fed 5,000 people. And there were some people who came out to hear Jesus teach, and and they were hungry, and the disciples wanted to send them away, but Jesus was like, no, no, we're going to feed them. And then he feeds 5,000 people. And it tells us in the book of John that after this, the people loved Jesus so much that they wanted to make him king. They're like, wow, we love the fact that you give us food whenever we want it. You should definitely be our king, because there's... Nothing that impresses people more than free food. And so they want to make Jesus king, but he doesn't want to be king because he knows that if they make him king, they're going to make him king for the wrong reasons, such as free food. And so they don't, he doesn't want that. So he's like, I'm going to send the crowds away. You guys get in the boat and then I'm going to spend some time in prayer. So he sends the crowds away. The disciples are in the boat. Jesus is praying on the mountain. And while he is uh, praying on the mountain, the disciples are in the boat and they've been in the boat for hours like they've been in the boat literally all night and they have not made it very far like because the wind has been against them they've been probably rowing or trying to maybe sail but they just can't get there like they're straining against the oars to make it across the lake but they just can't get there because the wind is against them and they're doing exactly what Jesus has told them to do but they aren't able to achieve what Jesus has asked them to achieve. And this, I think, is the first point for us, is that sometimes when we are doing the things that Jesus asks us to do, when we are being faithful people, it's not going to always be easy. Just just because we're doing what is right doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. And God calls us to be faithful people, to do what he asks us to do, rather than to be successful people, to achieve great things. And sometimes we get those things confused. We think that God calls us to success when really what he does is calls us to faithfulness, to obey him. And in fact, the disciples only had the hard time. The disciples only had the difficulty that they had because they obeyed Jesus. If they'd said, nah, Jesus, we don't want to hop in the boat. We're just going to stay here on the shore. They wouldn't have had to deal with the wind and the waves. They could have just had a nice kind of nap on the side of the lake. It would have been great. But it was because they did what Jesus asked them to that they got into the situation that they were in. Just because something is hard doesn't mean that it's wrong. God calls us to faithfulness and faithfulness isn't going to always be easy. Uh, When I was uh, 18, uh, I clearly felt God say to me, I want you to go and work in youth ministry. Like, I want you to work helping young people know about Jesus. I'm like, all right, I can do that. And so then the... I I kind of spent half a year trying to figure out what that looked like. I started going to Bible college. And when I just started Bible college, I got employed at the church I was going to as the student youth worker at the church. 
And we'd been running the youth group together with me and my friends. We'd been there. And then I kind of got elevated to this position where I was in charge of the youth group. I wasn't just leading it with my friends. I was leading my friends. And together, we were leading the youth group. And so I decided, like, I'm in charge. We should maybe have a few kind of ground rules about how, what it means to be a leader here. So I sat down with the leaders and I said, we should have a discussion. I've been in the job two weeks. I said, first we should figure out what kind of things do you need to be a leader? Like, what's the important things to be a leader here in this youth group? And I said, well, I think the first thing maybe is that, that everyone who is a leader of this Christian youth group is a Christian. And some of them said, what do you mean by Christian? I was like, well, I mean that, like, say, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You've got to believe that. And some people said, I would disagree with that. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, well, I don't know that Jesus actually died on the cross for our sins. Like, I think he died, but I don't know if it was for our sins. So I was like, that, that just seems a bit dodgy to me. And so then we got stuck in this conversation that went for like three hours where I was insisting that this is actually really important. Now, like, it's not that important to be a Christian leader at a Christian youth group and believe the most basic thing about Christianity. And we were, we were clashing against each other. And I was like, I don't feel like this is a right thing. I don't feel like I can fire them because they're my friends and I've been in the job two weeks. I was like, we need to go and talk to the senior minister. So eventually we made a time to see the senior minister. I got all of them down there and we, we sat down. And then the senior minister was like, well, I think that if you're going to be a youth leader, you should believe the Apostles' Creed. Now, if you don't know what the Apostles' Creed is, it's a, it's a statement of faith that Christians have, which talk about the basics of Christianity, pretty much saying that we believe in God and we believe in Jesus Christ and we believe in the things that Jesus did. But the thing about the Apostles' Creed is it says that you believe that Jesus died and it says that you believe in the forgiveness of sins, but it never connects the two. And so all of the other youth leaders were like, yeah, that's fine. We can, we'll agree with that. They didn't want to fight anymore. And I was like, no, this doesn't solve the problem. But the minister was like, yeah, that's fine. They can be youth leaders. And so then I was stuck with a bunch of youth leaders who didn't actually believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And so I'm like, this is tough. And so I had to spend a whole year leading with these youth leaders who are my friends who were angry at me because I wanted to get rid of them and they were angry at me because I didn't agree with them. And then I had to sideline them and then find other youth leaders and run this youth group. And through, this, and through this whole year, I kind of had people, like these same people were gossiping about me and people stopped turning up to church because of me. And the whole year was just really, really hard. It was really hard. And I, I, I had terrible relationships with my friends. It was lonely. And I was doing exactly what Jesus asked me to do. And I could have said, well, this sucks, so it mustn't be right, I'm out of here. But I knew that I just had to stick with it because I was doing what Jesus asked me to do. Because we get called to be faithful, to obey Jesus, to do what he asks us to do, not to be successful. God doesn't say, you've, if, if, you are, if you're a good person and you obey me, then everything's going to go really well for you. All he asks you to do is to do what he, what he asks. And the rest is up to him. And sometimes, because of our emotions, we can get confused then. And we start obeying Jesus, and when life gets tough, we decide we want to give up because it's too hard. Because they, this must be wrong. If it feels so bad, it must be wrong. But that's, that's not what we see here, and it's not what we see in the life of Jesus. Like Jesus, in obeying his Father, went to the cross and died. That did not feel good, but it was absolutely the right thing for him to do.
And on the flip side of that, sometimes we look at things that are going really, really well and we say, look, that's successful, so it must be good. But just because something is successful doesn't mean that it is good. Just because a lot of people turn up doesn't mean that it is good. You've got to look at, are they obeying Jesus? Are they doing what the Bible says? Are they being faithful? So the first thing we want to say is that we are called to faithfulness, not to success. That's what we are called to. You obey Jesus whether it is good, whether it feels good or not. And you obey Jesus whether you're looking, whether it's successful or not, because you're called to faithfulness over success. Anyway, let's keep going. So the story continues. They're in the boat. What's it say? It says, After he dismissed them, he went off on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable, considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves and the wind, because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Which is a bit strange. Now, if you are someone who's grown up in church, like you've heard this story before, then chances are you hear this and like, oh yeah, Jesus walked on the water. But, you know, Jesus walked on the water. Like he walked on water. This is amazing. Like I, I'm pretty surprised if I managed to stay afloat in water. And the fact that Jesus can walk on water is very, very impressive. Like people don't walk on water. This is, this is crazy stuff. And sometimes people have read this and gone, no, it can't even be that Jesus walked on water. Like, this can't be what's happening. And so people for years have kind of tried to hypothesize what's actually going on here. And some will say, well, look, actually he wasn't walking on water, but because there was wind, it kind of pushed the water away and it kind of, there was like a, there were exposed stones or a sandbar and Jesus was walking on a sandbar, (laughs) which doesn't make a lot of sense because these disciples, some of them are fishermen, as we heard earlier, And uh, these guys, they would know that you don't go sailing around sandbars, otherwise your your boat's going to be destroyed. Jesus is not going to go walking out to them on a sandbar. Other people say, no, what the Bible is saying is not that he walked on the lake, but that he walked beside the lake. It's just we've misunderstood it. And like, well, why would that be a good story? The disciples were in a boat and there was some wind and Jesus walked beside the lake. The end. Amen. Praise the Lord. Like, that's not very interesting, is it? Or there was another one recently where some, the university in the U.S. were like, well, you know what, on that lake, when conditions are just right and, and the wind is blowing just right and there's, there's temperature drops, you know, the lake can freeze, like snap freeze. And so Jesus was not walking on the water, he was walking on the ice. Which, and, and they're like, it only happens one in every 1,000 years, but this is what was happening I was like, well, the fact that Jesus managed to just feed 5,000 people that day just happened to be the day for the one in 1,000 year ice freeze of the lake. And, and then he walked out. Like, that doesn't make sense. And it, particularly because the, the sea has to be calm. And it definitely was not calm. And the whole point of this is that it's a miracle. Like, you can't explain it away because what Jesus is doing is he's showing them that he is God himself who comes to them when they're in their distress. God himself who comes to them across the waters. God himself who rescues them when they are in trouble. That's what Jesus is showing. And so Jesus comes out and he meets them and they see Jesus and they get terrified, which is understandable because if you saw someone walking to you on the water, you would get terrified. Like when I got up this morning and went to the toilet, there was a spider in the toilet and I was terrified. I was like, oh my goodness. 
And that's just a spider in the wrong place. Any spider is in the wrong place. So I flushed it down and then I got on with my morning. Now, if you see Jesus, who is not a spider, a human, walking on the water, you'll be afraid. And so they get scared. So Jesus says to him, take courage, it is I. He's saying to them, you don't need to be afraid, it's me. I'm your friend and I'm here. And so Peter responds saying, if it is you, then tell me to come out to you. And Jesus says, come. So Peter climbs out of the boat and starts walking towards Jesus on the water. This is amazing again. Like imagine what that would feel like. What do you reckon it felt like for Peter to be walking on the water? What does it feel like? Like is the water wet? Does it feel wet under your feet? Is it hard? Is it like walking on moving concrete? Is it like walking on a pillow? Is it, what is it? Is it like that, you, that you're, like you're right on top of the water or do you sink down a little bit and the water laps over your feet? What is going on? This is, how do you even understand this? Well, this is what Peter is doing. And he's walking on the water and he's, he's having a great time until he starts, stops looking at Jesus and he starts looking at the stuff that's going on around him. He looks at the, the wind and probably the waves that are being caused by the wind, and he starts to freak out, and he starts to sink. And Peter, at that point, he stops being all about faithfulness, stops being about focusing on Jesus, and starts being about success. And when I say that, I mean success by like, he feels like to successfully walk on water, you need to not have wind and waves, which is untrue because to successfully walk on water you need Jesus but he's worried that he's just going to fail and then he starts failing and sinking into the water he is afraid and so he starts to sink I when I was a kid I don't remember this but my parents have told me this story that I really was excited when the fire there were fireworks coming up I think I was like four years old I was so excited for fireworks they said we're going to go and watch the fireworks on like Thursday night, and I was like, yeah, fireworks, I'm so excited, they're going to be best. I'd never seen fireworks, I was so excited to see fireworks. And then finally came the day for fireworks, and we got there, and I, I put on my special shoes and my special shorts and my special shirt, because I had to wear the best outfit for the fireworks. And then at night, we were there, and the fireworks began, and went, and I was like, oh my goodness, I was so afraid. And then I ran to my parents and then I didn't watch the fireworks at all. I buried my head in my dad's shoulder and I just kind of sat there and was afraid. And I didn't get to enjoy the fireworks because I was afraid of the fireworks and, and the noise and, and what was going on. I, I was just totally terrified of, of them. And so I didn't enjoy it because I, I, didn't, I didn't enjoy the moment because I was just afraid of what was going on around it. But I was safe the whole time. The whole time I was safe. The whole time I was being held by my father. The whole time he was hugging me close to him. The fireworks were never going to hurt me. I could have just enjoyed it because I was with them. I was okay. But I didn't because I was afraid of what was happening around me. And sometimes we can be people who, when we are following Jesus, we see the stuff that's going on around us and we get afraid and we want to give up. And that's when we start to sink. And that's when we stop being faithful because we see all the things that seem to be against us. When we follow Jesus, it can feel like all sorts of things are against us. That people's opinions of us are against us. And the way that everyone else is living is against us. And the fact that everyone else seems to be having more fun than you is against you. The fact that people seem to disagree with the things that you think and the stuff that you believe they say is completely untrue, that feels like it's against you. 
And you can be afraid and say that you want to give up and live differently. But what this is saying, you've just got to keep your eyes on Jesus. That you remember that you, if you're with him, you are safe always. And your friends don't save you. And other people's opinions of you doesn't save you. And being able to do whatever you want doesn't save you. It's Jesus who saves you. It's Jesus who gave his life for you. It's Jesus who keeps you safe. And it's Jesus who keeps you faithful. And so instead of looking at all the things around you that are against you, you look at him. And you say, if he is keeping me safe, then I've got everything I need. Peter forgot that, and so he started to sink. Well, it tells us that Peter cries out and he says to Jesus, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches out and grabs his hand and pulls him up. And together they head back to the boat. I assume they're both walking on the water together because Jesus has saved him. And the, the last thing that we can see in this story is that Jesus is with us even in our failures, even when we get distracted by the stuff that's going on around us, even when we get too afraid to keep being faithful to Jesus. Jesus is with us and he is ready to save us. As soon as we cry out to him and say, save me, he is right there with you. And you may not be someone who achieves great success in life, but you can achieve faithfulness. And Jesus is right there with us, even in our failures, in our faithful failures. If you keep trying to follow Jesus and you stuff it up, Jesus will be with you. You don't have to worry about getting it right. You just need to worry about being with Jesus. And you know the thing that Peter experienced that no one else experienced? Everyone else stayed in the boat, and so they didn't get to experience what it was like to be saved by Jesus in that moment. They didn't experience what it was like to be sinking and then to have Jesus grab their hand and pull them up and then to walk hand in hand with Jesus back to the boat and to know that they were safe and okay with Jesus. No one else experienced that. Only Peter did because he was faithful and got out of the boat and because he sunk and Jesus saved him. Only Peter experienced that. If you are faithful in following Jesus, then you will see that Jesus will save you time and time again. That he'll be with you even in the worst moments. That you will see Jesus looking after you. You know, for that, that church that I worked at, when everyone, not everyone, but when lots of people turned against me and, and I had to you know, do ministry by myself, I had these great plans that, I, that at the end of the year I was going to have like a youth group of like, you know, hundreds of kids and the one day I would leave that church and there'd be like all these people who came back to say goodbye to me and said, Tom, you're such an inspiration. Well, I ended up leaving that church at the end of a year and uh, there was no one to organize my farewell service, so I had to do it myself. And uh, I, I did, though, see that Jesus was faithful and that I saw that even when I didn't achieve all the things I wanted to achieve, that he loved me anyway. And that even though I didn't get that huge youth group that I wanted, I still had, I had three kids who were coming faithfully every week and I got to tell them about Jesus. And that he was pleased with me in that. And you know what? The Bible tells us that even, even if we achieve nothing, that God still loves us. Even if we never make it out of the boat, God still loves us. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus came and died for us before we even existed. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
God knew exactly what you were going to be like. He knew exactly the things that you were going to do right, exactly the things you were going to do wrong. He knew exactly who you are with all your good things and all your bad things, all your successes and all your failures. He knew exactly what you were like and he sent Jesus to die for you before you even had a chance to cry out to him and say, save me. That Jesus came and gave his life for you because he loves you before you've achieved anything. And so if you go through the rest of your life and you achieve nothing, if the end of your life you find yourself you know, alone and in a mental hospital, but you still love Jesus, then you're fine, you're okay. And chances are that's not going to happen. Because as you follow Jesus, you'll be on an adventure with him and you'll see all sorts of great stuff. But what Jesus calls you to is not to success, but to faithfulness. And even when you are failing in your faithfulness, Jesus is right there with you, ready to save you. And so the two most important words for any leader in any situation are the same words that Peter says to Jesus when he says, save me. And if you are willing to say that, to say it for all your life and to say it for all the little things that go wrong, if you're willing to say, Jesus, be with me, and whereas you attempt faithfulness, you will see that he is with you. And you'll see that he saves you. And you will see what it's like to be saved and you'll learn more about Jesus again and again as he is with you all the way through. If you are not a Christian, then what this means for you is that Jesus is calling you to commit your life to him. That he wants you to say to him, save me. And not just about the small things, but about the biggest thing. And that's your entire life. That right now, if you don't love and trust Jesus, then you, the Bible says you're in rebellion against God. But if you say, save me, he will forgive you. He will welcome you into his family and he will give you eternal life with him. So be willing to be like Peter and say to him, save me, and he will. You'll see how good it is to be saved by him. And if you are a Christian, then what this means for you is that your job is to be faithful. To follow Jesus even when it's hard. To do the things that seem crazy to other people but you know that it is the right thing because it's what Jesus has asked you to do. And that when things go wrong, as they inevitably will, that you are willing to cry out and say, save me. And that you will see Jesus be with you even in those hard times. The call is to faithfulness and let Jesus worry about the rest. I'm going to pray for us. Our Father God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us, that you call us to faithfulness. I pray that we'll be people who are faithful, who are willing to obey even when it's hard, who are willing to take risks even though it's scary, who are willing to cry out to be saved and not try and save ourselves. That we will be like Peter and we will get to discover the excitement of what it is to, to go with you to places that seem impossible. And we will discover the love that you have for us when you rescue us, when we get ourselves into trouble. I pray, God, that we will remember these two words of Peter, save me. And that we will have them on our lips time and time again. And we will know that because you did the great thing by saving us in your son, Jesus Christ, we pray, God, that, you will, that we will see you save us in him time and time again. Because that's your character. You are one who saves. Please help us to be faithful.
Amén.